Come on. The strong, the powerful Peter Koshland has returned to Lifeblood. Welcome back, Peter. Hey, thanks, George. Good to be back. Yeah, excited to have you back on. Peter is the president and CEO of Koshland Pharma. They are a custom compounding pharmacy. Peter, refresh our memory. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a pharmacist by training and uh, started this pharmacy about 12 years ago because basically I wanted to just be able to offer our patients different options than what I was presenting them at uh, a traditional retail pharmacy. And uh, it, what we do here is basically make customized prescription medications really tailored to individual patient-specific needs. And when we started digging into it, you know, we just found that there were so many areas of people's health that needed this extra attention, extra customization, and really got excited about the possibilities around really dedicating my career more to uh, helping people get well than just giving them drugs. <laughs> so uh, it's been a very fruitful and rewarding uh, career in that and uh, just continue to be very encouraged by you know, just what we're seeing with our patients and, and just helping them be healthy and, and believe that they can be healthy. Nice. So, so many, I think there's so much important stuff here. How important is it to just have that belief that I am somebody who can be healthy and feel good? 100%. And that's something we find really consistently, actually, at least in my own practice, is I think there's a certain cynicism on the part of the medical establishment. And I certainly saw that when I was kind of in training and, and in my kind of more traditional career, which is, oh, people just want to take a pill. They don't want to fix their diet. They don't want to do the things that they need to do to get healthy. So that's kind of why we do what we do, because people won't do it. And I find that to be absolutely not true at all. In fact, what I find more is not so much that people are apathetic about doing the things that they need to do to be healthy, is that they're confused because they get so much information, lots of it contradictory. And really, I think it kind of creates almost like a paralysis around like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to like, my doctor said my cholesterol is high, so take this pill. So I guess I'll just do that. But I'm not sure what else is really going to help. And I think a lot of what we do here is like really try to say, okay, well, there is a lot of information out there, but there's also some really key core stuff that you can definitely do that we know helps and really help direct people towards that. And it, sometimes it's in conjunction with pharmaceuticals, and sometimes it's not at all. Sometimes it's completely lifestyle, or maybe there's some supplement uh, taking that goes along with that. But um, when, it, when we finally get people with some clear, solid advice, and I feel like they just take the ball and run with it because people want to take charge of their own health is what we find. And so I, I find that to be true. I know it's true for me personally, and I find that to be true with our patients as well. Success is uh, is available to us at, at it seeming like, like I, I really think at every level, and I'm with you, I, I think that people do want to be successful, but making that choice, choosing to have a certain perspective about something, choosing to take ownership of it, um, that, that makes sense that that is key to your healthcare as well as your financial and everything else. Yeah, exactly. I was listening to an interview lately or recently, and the person said, it's not enough to know, you have to know how. And I thought, well, that's interesting, but it struck me that you need to take that one step further. You have to know, you have to know how, but then you have to actually make it sustainable and make it part of, 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 of your life. How do you think about that's that? Right. Yeah, really important. And I think there's a certain aspect of uh, 
perfection kind of being the enemy of the good in some ways where it's like, well, you need to, you know, you need to exercise three times a day and you need to be no sugar and you need to, you know, and it's just over. I mean, it's like, yeah, well, that's all great, but am I going to be able to do that in a sustained way? And so I think a lot of what we do is like, well, let's just do one thing that, you know, you can do. And like you said, sustaining that's really key. So for example, you know, eating less refined sugar, that is a very important way to gain better health, better sleep quality, better energy level. But it's, you know, we have a lot of us, and I'm guilty as anybody else, you know, we eat sugar, you know, it's like part of, you know, it's like have a cookie after dinner, whatever. So just being aware of that and making some small changes. And then I think what happens is if you really do that, it's like, I'm going to eat, you know, I'm just going to be conscious about how much sugar I eat, eat less. You, It's not an overnight success, but within a bit of time, you start to feel the effects of that. It's like, oh, wow, I actually do have more energy and I do sleep better and all those things. And then I think that starts to kind of give you the encouragement to like, well, what else can I do? You know, and I think there's that incremental approach. Just start with something that you know is going to make a difference, stick with it, and then start to realize and acknowledge that it's working. And I think that's that self-reinforcing positive feedback that you can get from activities like that. So definitely sticking with it's important. One of those virtuous cycles that that, that we yeah. hear about. <laughs> It's not an instant thing sometimes. You know, if you stop eating sugar for a day, you probably aren't going to get all the benefits. But if you do it for a couple of weeks, then, yeah, you probably will start seeing some benefits. And I think that also validates that, oh, yeah, this isn't all just, you know, one person's opinion. This stuff really works. So I think that helps reinforce that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You just never know where where people are at. People might not realize that that a soda has 50 grams or whatever of sugar in it. People might not realize that sugar is in essentially everything that we eat that is processed. And so giving that little piece of education and helping them to be aware of that. So now that you know, make let, let's try and make better choices throughout the course of, of the day of the week. Exactly. And don't take my word for it. See how you feel when you do that. And I think that also is a big part of that. Be aware of what, you know, perfect example. Start reading the labels on your can of soda. Maybe drink less. Maybe eliminate soda altogether. And then see if it's really making the difference. And I think that's that important feedback as well. So definitely a very important part of it. You know, yeah. That awareness. Yeah. Interesting. The the cynicism that you encountered from the, for lack of a better term, sort of that medical apparatus of, you know, people are not interested in this. That's why they come to us. So we can try to fix it just with a pill. Uh, but your experience has been the opposite of that. How wanting to meet people where they are, not wanting to shame people, but at the same time, give tough love. How do you, how do you sort of think about that? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it is really, I think part of it in the medical establishment is, not very good at giving lifestyle advice. And I actually have encountered this even recently where I was at a dermatology conference and uh, one of the doctors who was there who treats a lot of acne was saying, I used to not talk about diet when I had patients with acne. I mean, we all know diet's really important, but I just didn't know a lot about it, so I just never brought it up. Hmm. And so if that patient's only seen that doctor and they're not talking about diet, the patient's never getting that kind of authoritative conversation from a medical professional about how important it is. And it is clearly important. And we see this across lots of different types of health conditions, you know, diabetes, and, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. So I think there's a, there's a, 
a lack of really uh, emphasizing these lifestyle choices in the medical establishment, even though the data is extremely good for its impact in lots of different health areas. So how we get around that cynicism, I think, is first of all, sometimes say, I don't really, I know diet's really important. I'm not a dietitian or an expert, but I have some people that really are good at this. And I want, to, I want you to understand how important this is. And I can give you a drug to help you with your acne, but nothing's going to be as impactful as you understanding how your diet affects this. And I think that part of that conversation really at least puts it back into the, the world of options, right? as opposed to being like, well, there's the drug option, and then there's all this like hocus pocus lifestyle stuff, which is like, no, no, the, the, there's some serious lifestyle things that we do that are as powerful of an impact on our health as the drug stuff. And kind of putting those in the same group, so to speak. And then if I don't know how to handle the, the, the diet or some other parts of that, I have a network that I can refer to. Because there certainly are many, many people who really do understand that. And, and just bringing that awareness to the patient, I think, is a, the first start. So I, that cynicism, unfortunately, sometimes takes away that impetus to have that conversation and, and that, so that it never even gets started. Yeah. Well, I, and I certainly empathize. I, you know, physicians, doctors of all kinds, dentists, professionals, attorneys, financial people have just a lot on their plate. And it's challenging to have the right answers and the right information for every scenario that, that you come to. So I, 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 I get it. And. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and sometimes it's unfair for the doctors, too, because we expect them to know everything and they kind of expect. And therefore, they expect themselves to have all the answers, and no one person can have all the answers. We talked about this a little bit last time, but you know, health people's health status is very complex. It's integrated throughout all of our habits, you know, our, our sleep cycles and our diet and our, you know, our how we manage stress and all of these things are have huge, profound impacts on our health, in and in beyond all of the stuff the doctor's talking to you about. And so we expect one person to kind of be just to know all of this, and that's just too much to ask one person. I think. We put so much on the doctors to have all the answers, and they put a lot of, on themselves to have all the answers, but it's clearly not possible for one person to have all the answers, especially when it comes to something as complex and multifaceted as our health and, and how it intersects so many aspects of our lives. So I think as patients, it's helpful to acknowledge that and then to, on our own, you know, kind of find people who can help us in areas that maybe go beyond the scope of what our physician is an expert at to help us, you know, if we're really motivated to find lifestyle options and other things that can help us be healthy, to kind of seek out, uh, you know, other advice around that from people who are really knowledgeable in, in other areas of how to be healthy. So certainly there are folks that 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 are your clients and and they take the ball and and they run with it. And that probably means that maybe they are not as good of a monetary client to, uh, of yours. Maybe it means that they're better. Um for those folks who just say, you know what, I'm just, I tried, but this isn't going to work out this whole diet and exercise thing. How do you, how do you, how do you think about that from, from an ethical standpoint, if that's an appropriate question? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, we we're here to be advisors and encouragers and providers of healthcare and help, you know, my job I feel like is to help people achieve their health outcomes, whatever that may be. And if they're feeling a certain way about, their health journey, I have to, you know, I can't enforce my own system on them if they're not going to adopt it. I do think, though, 
you know, you can't opt out of some of the truths about health. You know, you can't just say, well, you know, I don't want to eat healthy, but I want to be healthy. There's some of those things that are just facts. You know, you, you know, food is the cornerstone of good health. And so, you know, if you really want to be healthy, you're going to have to think about how you eat. There's just no way around that. So, I mean, I might say something like that, like it's your choice, but I want you to be fully informed that these choices, you know, some, here's some of the consequences I believe are impacted by these choices. So, you know, again, it's, it's about, you know, it, it's, it's either a system of, are we going to be in like a disease maintenance system where, you know, you have, a patient has diabetes, and so I'm going to give them a pill that's going to maintain their blood sugar so that I can stave off the inevitable, uh, you know, heart attack, stroke, or, you know, foot amputation versus like, am I going to really try to find ways for this patient to understand how they can really go beyond just the maintenance of their disease to really trying to find ways to kind of overcome it or find even greater levels of health with that. So I think there's some of that is where, again, it's person's life. It's, it's how they want to, their choice. And I feel like it's my duty to inform about the consequences of those choices and, and hopefully encourage them to, you know, once you feel healthy, it's a very good, like, affirming process because it just it feels good to feel healthy. So if we can get people to that point where they start to feel that virtuous cycle like we talked about, I feel like then, it, you know, then we can kind of work with that. Yeah, yeah, that certainly does make sense. There's always going to be some folks who just sort of keep them exactly where they are and they don't deteriorate so that they don't deteriorate further. Some folks that they come to you and they're in the red for lack of a better term and you get them back to even and then you can help them to be proactive. And there's probably really healthy people that are coming to you because they just want to uh, just, 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 just do better. And they want to sort of do the whole Tim Ferriss hacking kind of a deal. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's a whole other thing. And I think I, in some ways, you know, there's a, I, being, I, I think being healthy is a great destination. I, the idea of like being beyond healthy, I, I'm still a little skeptical of. Uh, I think being healthy is great. And that's where we want to get people. Um, I also feel like we're aging as well. So the idea of like maintaining health as we age is also a really important aspect of this because the older we get, the more we have to do to kind of maintain a high, higher level and a higher quality of health status. So that's also part of it as well. Yeah, that's a, a whole other animal right there, Peter. <laughs> so it's, how it's all integrated? Yeah. What are uh, are there some really common areas that 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 your clients come to you for, or rather, or perhaps? That and is are, are there things you say? You know what? I wish I or I don't get why more people aren't asking me this. Yeah, I mean the biggest area that comes to mind is hormone replacement, because we're in a situation right now, you know, in, in the United States where people are living longer than they've ever lived in the history of humankind, and you know we're expecting to have very high quality of life, you know, well beyond our fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties. And hormone replacement has a very important role to play in the maintenance of the body as we age into those ages. And uh, there just is a lack of understanding and kind of acknowledgement about how the idea of showing up somebody's hormone status as they age uh, really has important impacts on that 
that goal to have a high quality of life as, as we age. And so that's something we're always talking about and wanting you know, to raise more awareness about. Yeah, I would say that that's probably... Uh, how, how how do you think about that? I mean, if we're talking about like um, not fundamental, not intermediate, that's probably pretty advanced. Yeah, I, I just, again, it kind of goes back to the idea that you know, there's some of these health, these truths about he- healthy, the healthy living that, you know, you just kind of can't go around. They're just, they just are facts about, you know, the way the body works. And um, I, I mean, the way I always describe it when I give lectures on this or train doctors is like just being hormone deprived is just not good for the body. And um, when it's like women go through perimenopause in their 40s to 50s or as men age, their testosterone levels decline with age. There's a certain point where that decline, that low level of hormone status really has negative impacts on very foundational and fundamental aspects of how the body works, like maintaining bone density and protecting the brain cells from damage, things like that. And I think it's it's kind of a paradigm shift in how we think about this stuff, again, because we haven't really lived this long. I mean, our, our great-grandparents never had to worry about this because longevity wasn't really the same as it is now. So I think the generations that are aging now are really having to rethink about how, how this all fits in with our life goals at these ages and the importance of establishing a baseline hormone status so that the, the consequences of hormone deficiency don't undermine our life quality. So, yeah. That's an interesting thing, right? Because yeah. if I came to you when I was 25 versus 45, it would, we really wouldn't have a sense of what my, assuming that my optimum hormone level was what it was at 25, or does it depend? Yeah, it's, it's important. I mean, if you, if you could have that for everybody, that would be really nice. Most people at 25 don't think about the hormones because they're sure. really high. <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, you know, the mid-20s is kind of where hormone levels peak for most people. But yeah, I mean, that would be really helpful because then we could even individualize somebody's hormone regimen in their later years, you know, knowing that where they've been. But we don't always have that for everybody. So we tend to look more at population-based information and kind of generic, general physiologic type uh, data that we have around people's production of hormones. Um, but yeah, I think, again, it's, it's kind of the, the idea that um, we're, we're going to utilize kind of this idea of, of healthy aging uh, and, and bringing hormones in as, as part of a plan to kind of keep the body functioning as best as possible. I think what's happened, our old paradigm or our medicalized paradigm is more, let's wait until you get osteoporosis and then we're gonna give you some drugs that mm. make the bones harder, <laughs> that also have a lot of consequences and side effects and don't actually, in a lot of cases, work that well, versus the idea that we know it's happening when, say, hormones decline, and instead of waiting for something bad to happen, let's look at how the body functions and shore it up for the prevention of these conditions. So where can I get that, my, my baseline hormone status? Well, it's something to talk to your physician about. And what's also interesting, I mean, we, I didn't learn about this stuff when I was in pharmacy school, and a lot of physicians don't learn about this stuff either. So you want to find somebody who's knowledgeable and has done the extra work to, sorry, I got a siren coming by here. It's right in the middle. <laughs> sorry about that. It's okay. Uh, um, when I find a physician who's knowledgeable about, about this kind of stuff, 
Um, but yeah, they can certainly do blood tests. There's different types of testing you can do to look at your hormone status. Um, and yeah, just finding a, a practitioner who's knowledgeable in this would be a great place to start. And I'm assuming that you do that. We, we do to some extent. I think mainly our function here as a pharmacy is to, to work with doctors to help them um, kind of fulfill the hormone replacement side of it so that the patient Got gets it. the actual medication. Um, I mean, I do have some tests here. I, I really don't. I only do that more as a, a courtesy or to, you know, if somebody just not able to get a test, we have some here that we can kind of send home with the patient. But um, in general, we're trying to get people to see their doctor because we want them to do they want to have, we want them to have that doctor-patient relationship as well as a relationship with us. And it's really, when we really get the pharmacist and the physician and the patient all working together to help the patient have the best possible health status, that's when we really have the, really the secret sauce for success in, in, in our world of you know, trying to help them. Yeah, it seems. Okay, so questions for me to ask my my primary care physician is, hey, I'm interested in determining what my baseline hormone status is just because I want to make sure that my levels are as optimal as possible. Can, yeah. can Is this something you can help me with, doctor? And they say yes, or they say no. That sounds perfect. And at this point, you know, if you, like you're saying, if you're in your 20s and you're just trying to find like where you're at, all you gotta do is check a few boxes on your on your lab form, you know. So this shouldn't be something that the doctor would be unwilling to do. And if they are, then I think I would just kind of keep looking around to find somebody who has a better understanding of what you're asking for. But uh, again, it would just be a basic uh, blood test, you know, uh, or or some sort of test just to look at your levels at that stage. Got it. I love it. I love it. Well, Peter, the people are ready for that difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, based on this conversation, I would say, you know, look into hormone replacement and see if that's right for you. And, um, you know, understanding, you know, healthy aging has a very important hormone component to it. So uh, if that sounds something like is interesting to you, then I would definitely encourage you to explore that. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Peter, thank you so much for coming back on. Tell us again where people can engage with you. Yeah, you can uh, check us out on our website. It's www.koshlandfarm.com. And if you want to leave a testimonial about your experience with compounded hormones, we actually have a really great site called compounding.com where you can learn more about compounded hormones and leave a testimonial. We're trying to compile those to, um, you know, take to legislators and the FDA to show how important this therapy is in people's lives. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Peter your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to koshlandfarm.com. It's K-O-S-H-L-A-N-D-P-H-A-R-M.com. And like Peter mentioned, if you've had a positive experience with compounding, go to compounding.com and leave a testimonial. And tell your physician, hey, doctor, I'm interested in determining my baseline hormone status so I can optimize and let her know that. And um, then if there's any deficiencies, get in touch with Peter. Thanks again, Peter. All right. Thank you. Great to be with you. Likewise. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.